There are two passages today. The first comes from the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs, if you just pick it up and start reading, it may sound like a bunch of fortune cookie sayings strung back and back and forth to each other. It seems to be that disconnected. It really wasn't. In the Jewish scriptures, wisdom was a critical part of experiencing the Spirit of God. And the passing on of wisdom was sharing faith. And so in the scripture you're going to hear Brian read to you, you've got a moment where a father is instructing his son about the importance of the wisdom that the son is receiving, the importance of wisdom in our life. In the second passage you're going to hear from the Gospel of Luke, you're going to see a snapshot of a part of Jesus that we all know was a critical part of his ministry in this world, and that is that of a teacher, a rabbi one who spent his life sharing, revealing God's truth, not only by the way he lived his life, but also by what he taught as he lived it. So I invite you to open up your hearts, your minds, and ears, and listen now as we share in God's holy word. Listen, children, to a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, and my mother's favorite, he taught me. He said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a fair garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my child, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read here? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have been given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Would you join with me in a spirit of prayer? We come seeking, hoping, needing, questioning. I pray that as we enter into this moment, Lord, it is in that place where our needs emerge that we begin, but it's not where we stay. 
I pray it is by the gift and power of your Holy Spirit, your intervention, your presence to us here, that what we need is met by more. It is met by what you desire to give, what, what you have the power and ability to make possible beyond our imagination that you will bless each and every one of us in this room, not in all the same way, but in the unique way each person needs and according to what you desire. We don't rely on my words. We don't rely on anything that we've created, but we trust in you to use everything we offer for your glory. So may you be praised, revealed, and accepted as our Lord for this moment, for all time. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Mrs. Coke, Mrs. Yonke, Dr. Stewardson, and Dave Tidgen. These were some of the greatest teachers I sat under in my life. There have been many more. Mrs. Koch was my kindergarten teacher. Someone said to me in love between services, you remember all the way back to kindergarten? Yes, I do. <laughs> At least my first day when I got off the bus to go into public education for the first time and felt chocolate milk out of my lunch pouring all over my pants, making it look like I had wet myself. And it was Mrs. Koch who saved me, who helped me get cleaned up, get dry, get a call to my mom, get some new pants, and welcome me into the classroom, somehow averting trauma that would have affected me the rest of my education. Mrs. Yonke, who was able to reach out to a seventh grader who had no capacity to do science well, but captured me by starting a rocket club. And while I'm not sure I always understood the science, I did like things that blew up. And I love building rockets. Cindy. Cindy was the cool teacher in high school we all called by the first name. I couldn't remember her last name. I texted a friend my, last night from old high school days, say, what was Cindy's last name? And she wrote me back from Germany. I can't remember it either. But Cindy who was our speech teacher, gave us an assignment to go down to the library and pull out a book and find a passage and use that passage to read dramatically to the class. And when my turn came, I got up in front of class, including all the cool kids, which is not where I sat, and found for the first time that my voice had the power to impact people. Dr. Stewartson, who pushed me academically to reflect on my faith, and to encourage me and model for me that the only way to really grow in faith is to exercise both the mind and the heart. Dave Tidgen is the one who taught me how to tie flies for fly fishing. He was one of the best teachers I ever knew. He was skilled. He was confident without cocky. He was patient with fumbling fingers. And he loved his subject and made me love it all the more, and gave me a gift that will continue to be a blessing for me all my life. 
all these teachers and the many more that I had in my life that were fantastic did more than give me a grade. They gave me knowledge. They gave me confidence. They accepted me. They gave me insight. They brought joy into my life. They created new possibilities for me that I could not have seen without their assistance. In many ways, they invited me into learning in the way in which Henry Nouwen writes about the relationship between teacher and students. Nouwen says, Teaching, therefore, asks first of all the creation of a space where students and teachers can enter into a fearless communication with each other and allow their their respective life experiences to be their primary and most valuable source of growth and maturation. It asks for a mutual trust in which those who teach and those who want to learn can become truly present to each other, not as opponents, but as those who share in the same struggle and search for the same truth. To create space where transformation can occur. All these teachers and so many more made themselves present to me, inviting me to go on a journey with them. And the truth is, the wonderful truth is, while a number of the names I just read to you are no longer with us in this world, they remain with me still. Their spirit, the voices in my mind, the lessons that help shape who I am today continue on in my journey. To that extent, teachers and those who support the work of education are entered into an eternal calling. In the words of the scripture today from the book of Proverbs, teachers at their best give to me and to all students the way of wisdom and lead me in the paths of uprightness. This morning we're taking time to honor teachers and administrators and support staff in every kind of schooling and educational situation possible because we at Clarkson United Methodist Church and we as a United Methodist Church have always placed a high value on what happens in the process of teaching and learning, that it is of God that all of us have the opportunity to experience transformation and release God as we share in that holy endeavor. It should be no surprise that a church would honor the blessing of education, particularly when we realize Jesus himself was a teacher. Certainly, Savior, Lord, but a teacher, a rabbi, one who taught in the rabbinical style, which meant question and answer. Ask a question, and then the critical importance was to ask the next better question. Which is why, in the passage from Luke today, I gave, you this, gave uh, Brian this passage to read that ends in a question. The lawyer is asking Jesus about some things, and Jesus gives an answer, but doesn't give us an answer to shut down the questioner, but rather answers in a way that invites the next question. Jesus was not about closing off conversation or giving answers that would close off the imagination. Jesus was about engaging people to ask the next better question and in asking, enter into a dialogue that created more creativity, more insight, more wisdom, more possibility. That final question that gets asked in the Scripture, who is my neighbor, does get answered in the rest of the Scripture. 
But it's not as if the answer closes off the conversation. The invitation by Jesus is, as you wrestle with that question, now go out and wrestle with what it means. How do you do it? To be engaged in the process of questioning and in a dialogue of mutual respect, teacher and student, to be curious, to discover what possible answers there might be, not just the answer, is the true joy of education. Now, I want to confess to you, I have a disclaimer out there right now. I am the product of two United Methodist-related schools. I graduated from Montrose, some of you know that. Last week at our consecration Sunday, Phyllis Swain was here, and someone was asking her about being here, and she said, well, I knew little Ricky back when. She did. But after Montrose, I went to Adrian College and got my Bachelor of Arts in Religion and History, a United Methodist College. I then went on to Duke University, the Divinity School, another United Methodist College, and got my Master's in Divinity. I don't say that bragging, although I'm very proud of it. I say it to reflect the fact that the United Methodist Church has always been focused on education as a critical role of God's people. Not to be left to just someone else to do, but to understand that it's in that process of education that we reach the full heights of what God always intended in our life. John Wesley was an Anglican priest who founded the Methodist movement in the 18th century in England, was convinced of knowledge being so important in the life of believers that he continued to argue, push, and fight for education for everyone, all children in England, in a day when there was no public school. In an era when there was no public education system, it was Wesley who offered a new way. He encouraged his followers to go out and teach as many children as possible. It is not surprising that one of the first pronouncements of the First Methodist Education Committee in 1837 was that Methodists should encourage education, which begins in the infant school and ends in heaven. It's lifelong learning. We're always called to learn. It doesn't matter when you graduated. It matters what had you last learned. The reality is, is that unfortunately, sometimes we get caught up in graduation and think it's over. It's always beginning. And I want to suggest to you, can I just humbly, politely say that sometimes why we struggle as Christians in the world today is because we're trying to take on human adult issues with a third grade Sunday school education. It's not that third grade Sunday school is bad. It's just that it's for third graders. And to continue to figure out how to develop yourself, to grow and understand what God is saying to you now, what the Word is revealing to you now, learning how to pray in new ways, all of these things are critical for us to be fully what God has always intended us to be. Wesley went further. He suggested that education was literally for all. And when the first Methodist trained college for teachers was created in Westminster in 1851, the presidents of the conference told the first recruits they should never regard any child, any child, as inferior simply because they came from a less privileged background. Is a child less rational, 
less capable of intellectual and moral improvement, of living an orderly, credible, and useful life in society, of serving God and ensuring blissful immortality because his parents are poor or from another culture or live in a different part of town or have a second language or a primary language different than your own? No. All children, all children, all adults, not only have the right, but should always have the opportunity to learn. And Wesley also believed this. He writes, If a teacher is a person of virtue, that is to say, has personal piety, a love of God in their life, and an understanding of who they are in the world, then they will draw pupils to them, and the results will be transformed lives. Wesley reminded his teachers at Kingswood, which was a school he started, Beware you not be swallowed up in books. An ounce of love is always worth a pound of knowledge. Let me ask you this. There are teachers that you've had in your life who were mercilessly hard on you. Amen? I hope you had them. I didn't mention Mrs. Curry. Gosh, she was tough. And she would not let up on me until I learned how to write. Now, today, I'm going to confess to you, I still think she'd be ashamed of the way I write. But you should have seen me before Mrs. Curry. (laughs) But you've also had the teachers who, while they taught you and gave you grades, you knew you were loved, you knew you were safe, You knew you had potential. What a gift. That's who we are. That's our history as United Methodists. And today we continue in that tradition to offer this blessing upon everyone who helps in the endeavor of educating our children, our youth, and adults. We call it blessing the teachers, but we know full well teachers cannot teach well unless they have administrators who are completely sold out to teaching and education. Nor can they teach well if they don't have support staff that does everything from run the office to clean the rooms to get the kids there in the bus. All of you are critical to this holy work. And the power of teaching, when it happens, is transformative for both teacher and student. As a teacher myself, there are moments when I look out and I realize that instead of sleeping in that rare moment, they are locked on and there's a moment when somebody gets it even if what they get isn't what you thought they needed to get, but they are transformed. Something happens in them. And is that not a powerful moment? Teachers, could you say amen? And is it not also true, teachers, that there are times, after all your work, you're really clear. You're the one who learned the most. Amen? Here at Clarkson United Methodist Church, we know how important learning is. We have out on the welcome table our catalog for this fall. It celebrates our discipleship motto, which is simply stated, learn, connect, serve. We believe any one of these is a way to enter into the church. Some people come into the body of Christ because they want to help people. So they want to serve. They get involved in a mission. They help out in the church. That's great. 
Some people come lonely. They're new to the community. They don't have a community, so they come here. They need to connect with people, whether it's in a prayer group or playing basketball. They need to have a group of folks that they can hang with and who will hang with them when things are great and when things are tough. But we also know that we need to learn. So in our, in our catalog, there are a whole oppor- series of opportunities in there that you can learn that list out classes and opportunities through November. Some of them are Bible classes. Some of them are praying classes. Some of them are fly-tying classes. Because learning is always holy. Last Sunday, we announced the Hugh Rose Scholarship Fund, a generous gift by a member of the community who believed enough in this church to say, I want to give you this money to make a scholarship available for adults who are not probably going on to their first schooling post-high school, but rather are in need of new training or education in their life to transform their life. They need to go to that next step. Maybe they've gone through a life situation where everything's changed. They need to now go get training or more education, but they don't have the resources to do it. We want them to apply to us so we can get that money into the hands of the school or the training center they're going to go to so they can be equipped and learn. And this is open to everyone in the Clarkston community because we want to help people experience the fullness for which God is giving them. So the Euro Scholarship Fund is a way to do that, and you can help us by making sure if you know of anyone who needs training or further education but doesn't have the resource to be able to do it on their own, make sure they get an application, make sure they apply so we can help them go where God is leading them. Well, hopefully you now know that education is pretty important to us and that learning is critical to our understanding. We believe an open mind and an open heart is critical to being a child of Jesus Christ. We will not accept the idea that you have to close off your mind to have a rich heart. We will not accept the rejection of science or wisdom in any way it comes to us. We will receive it, reflect it in the light of Christ, and live faithfully as disciples. And we want to bless you. What does that mean? Well, in the Scriptures, to offer a blessing is more than just giving somebody your best hope. Gee, I hope you have a good school year. Gee, I, I hope the class goes well. Blessing in Scripture means far more than that. It's not hoping, it's making it real. It is to say the belief was that when you offer a blessing... The words coming out of your mouth make it a done deal because it's not about the words, it's about the breath, the spirit, the ruach that comes out of your mouth. It is God being released so that that which you're being blessed for will now happen. We don't claim to have that authority on our own. We do it in the name of Christ. We offer our blessing to you today not for what we want to have happen in your classrooms or in your schools or in your teaching moments. We do it because we want to make sure that what happens there is holy and healthy and what God wants. We also do this with this blessing. We do more than pray for you today. We are committed as a ministry to be engaged in this community to make sure it is healthy and as holy as possible filled with grace and open acceptance. And we want to be in the places where need 
are. So, in the way, same way we got folks going out in the community saying, what do you need and how can we help? I want every teacher, administrator, support, support person in education who's in this room right now to hear me very clearly. If you have a need, if you have a concern, if you have a worry, if you need some support, I want you to know we're one of the resources you can turn to. And we're not going to come in with our agenda. We're going to come in with our heart. We're going to come in with whatever resources we can bring. And maybe the issue is far bigger than what we can take on. But maybe we can at least partner with you. Maybe we can help others partner with all of us so we can help take care of the needs that our children and our families need in this community. So take my pledge seriously and honestly. If after today anything's going on in the schools or in your teaching environment where you need help, who are you going to call? <laughs> I pray it's us so that we can be there and stand with you.